0: Yes, you're listening to Law & Gospel on this open mic, Friday, January the 17th, in the year of our Lord, 2020. And they're kind of closing down the International Center early today because of a threat of ice and snow coming in. So you still have the opportunity, we hope, to be on the air uh, throughout the program. If you would like to call me, Tom Baker... With a theological question, a number in St. Louis is eight two one zero eight fifty. Anywhere in North America, including St. Louis, one eight hundred seven three zero two seven two seven. So many of you may be home right now. They've closed a lot of schools today and are listening, hopefully, to KFUO. So if you're about to ask a question, give me a ring at 1-800-730-2727. I want to kind of follow up our conversation yesterday with Wes Reimnitz on the distinction between someone who is a vegan and someone who is a vegetarian. I want to make real clear that there was No thinking that a vegan cannot be a Christian. I believe that there are people who believe in evolution, yet God may still consider them to be a Christian, even though they have false teaching in that area. But if they trust in Jesus for their salvation, it's quite possible they can be saved. I'm afraid that evolution can end up Putting someone in a situation where they are not saved, but that's really between them and God. So if you got any questions, uh, be glad to be talking to you right now. In fact, let's go. I believe Susan's on the air. Hi, Susan.
1: Yes, I have a question about epiphany. Go ahead um, why the twelve days? It's not like it's the circumcision or the purification. Are the, um, uh, any of the other specific events related to you know, the Magi coming? I mean, know the reason behind it. Why the 12 days, and what's the history behind the celebration of Epiphany? Thank you. I'll hang up and listen to your answer.
0: Thank you very much for calling. The reason Epiphany is important is that if you had been at the Bethlehem stable and looked at Jesus, you never would have guessed, oh, this is God, this is a Savior. Had the shepherds not been told by the angels, wow, there would have been no knowledge of people going by learning that a baby had just been born, they would have thought it would have been a regular baby. But that's not accurate, as we all know. The sis- season of epiphany, and the word epiphany kind of means revelation, where you get more insight into who is this child, this really is talking about the first visit of the magi, or we call them the wise men, because through them we learn something about this child, that he's the king of Israel. And the gifts they give him, gold and frankincense, meant for a king, and myrrh, was kind of embalming fluid, so he was born to die. This is very important to understand that Epiphany is a great season that explains why Jesus came to earth, the second person of the Trinity, who he is. For example, Sunday's gospel reading about Jesus being baptized by John the baptizer, we learn something else about Jesus. Uh, For example, I began my sermon last night. I preached at two congregations last evening, and what we were talking about was that game. You may have heard about this game where you say a word, and then a person thinks, What am I thinking about immediately about that word? So, and the answers can be different depending on the season that you speak of it. For example, if near Christmas you say the word snow, then many of the children will think Christmas Day. But yesterday, if I said the word snow, people would think about the ice that's coming today. So, in that game... What do people think about when they say the word Jesus? Well, they'll think of God, a savior, great teacher, healer. But the point I was making in yesterday's sermon, would you ever say when you first think about Jesus, you think about sinner? Is Jesus a sinner. And part of the problem is you've got a number of passages that say he was like us in all ways as a human being, but without sin. But you see, if God did not consider Jesus as a sinner, God the Father, then Jesus' death on the cross wouldn't have been for his sin because he never sinned, and it wouldn't have been for our sin. So somehow, our sin had to be attached to Jesus willingly. And that's really the point of the baptism of Jesus. During this epiphany season, and the 12 days refer to the time from Christmas until the first epiphany. And without epiphany, you would not know who Jesus was. I already said the wise men, he's king of Israel. He's also one to be worshipped as they did, and one to receive gifts as a king, and also is meant to die. Well, the baptism of Jesus gives us more information during the season of Epiphany. Because John the baptizer, and I'm looking at Matthew 3 verse 14, John would have prevented Jesus being baptized because he said, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Now, what does that mean? All righteousness refers to the plan of God from before the foundation of the world. That one of the persons of the Trinity would become a human being. But he had to be regarded as a sinner in order that his death would take care of our sin. It's it's unfortunate when you look up Jesus' baptism by John the Baptizer, A lot of the commentators think that the big point is the Trinity is revealed, and it is true. Jesus, the second person, is standing in the water. God, the Father, the first person, speaks from heaven, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased, and the Holy Spirit descends upon Jesus as a dove coming to rest on him. So you have the Trinity. But I like to go beyond just a doctrinal conclusion. What difference does this make from a law and gospel point of view? And that's what Epiphany is all about, showing a law and gospel understanding of Jesus. Well, the law is pretty clear because John the Baptizer is sent by God to be a forerunner of the Messiah. That means he is sent to be a preparer for the Messiah. It's kind of like a surgery is needed because we are born in sin. We need a new heart. But when you go to a doctor, maybe you're not feeling well, And he diagnoses a problem. John the baptizer was the one who was diagnosing the problem of sin in every one of us. And so his baptism was not a sacramental baptism that provided the gift of the forgiveness of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. John said, the one coming after me. He'll give you the Holy Spirit, and that's the Pentecost baptism. John the baptizer's baptism was a ceremonial kind of baptism to remind us that we are sinners in need of repentance. So you can understand John saying to Jesus, what are you coming to me for? I need to be baptized by you, not you by me. But Jesus says, no, it's necessary to fulfill all righteousness. Now, Jesus is not just talking about the plan the Holy Trinity had from before the foundation of the world. He's also talking about the righteousness we human beings as sinners need to receive. You see, there are a lot of distinctions we make in catechetical instruction about Jesus. He has two natures, divine and human, and we explain all that. He has three offices, prophet, priest, and king. But he also has two obediences. Now, some people may say, well, I've never heard that before. Well, I'll give you the one obedience, His passive obedience. Oh, yes, maybe you'll remember that from confirmation because the other one is his active obedience. What's the difference between the two obediences of Jesus? His passive obedience refers to his passively going to the cross as a lamb without a murmur, not trying to fight it, willingly going to the cross, and therefore paying for our sins. That's what happened on the cross. So when he says it is finished, our righteousness that's coming to us is finished because Jesus has paid the price. And his passive obedience takes care of sins that we commit. But what about his active obedience? Somebody may walk into my office and ask the question, Pastor, how do I know I'm going to heaven? I just don't think I'm going to heaven. Now, I could give them a bunch of Bible verses where heaven is for believers, but I need to examine why the person doesn't think he or she is going to heaven. So my question is, why do you not think you're going to heaven? And I listen carefully. If the reason they give is a sin they have committed, then I talk about Jesus' passive obedience, where passively he took upon himself the sins of the world, and he paid for them. And the result is the forgiveness of sins. And what does that mean? Well, a number of places in the Bible... It's talked about that you are now no longer held accountable for sins you do. That's forgiveness. But if the person says, let's say he's a homosexual and he's been trying to stop and he stops for a time, then he falls into it again. He says, I don't think I'm going to heaven. Even though he knows it's a sin, but the temptation sometimes is too strong Uh, Remember, Peter, do I forgive seven times? No, 70 times seven. But when I'm dealing with a person whose sin is not being able to do a good work he knows he should do, then I point him to Jesus' active obedience. What's Jesus' active obedience? He actively obeyed the laws of God and the will of God perfectly while he was here on earth. Now, that's the purpose of the temptation of Satan. Because if he could get Jesus to just do one sin. Then Jesus would have died for his own sin. And not for the sins of others. But what's the gift that we receive with his active obedience? The gift we receive with his passive obedience is the forgiveness of sins that takes care of sins we commit. The gift we receive with his active obedience is the robe of righteousness. It's mentioned in the Old Testament. It's mentioned in the New Testament. Old Testament in Isaiah, New Testament, for example, in Revelation. And what is that robe of righteousness? It's not my righteousness. It's the righteousness of Christ that I received in baptism. We, We refer to baptism as the glorious exchange where Jesus comes and he takes my sin, my past, my present, and my future sins upon himself, and therefore his death pays for them. But I also received the gift of the Holy Spirit, which... A person cannot receive if they are not holy. And that is because I am now dressed in Christ's robe of righteousness. God considers a Christian, he regards us as sinless and righteous in his sight. How does he do that? When we are instead sinful and have never done a righteous good work. That's what the epiphany is all about. It's explaining how that comes about. And at the baptism of Jesus, Jesus underwent a baptism of repentance, contrition over sin. But he was not a sinner, so how could he be repentant? Because by being baptized by John the baptizer, Jesus took upon himself our sin. He became sin for us. And that's clearly found in the scriptures. One of the best passages, it's one of my favorite chapters, is Second Corinthians chapter 5. It talks about how does God get reconciled to the world. But listen to verse 21. For our sake, that means for us, God the Father made Jesus to be sin, who knew no sin. Why did he do that? What was the purpose? So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You see, this was a big Reformation discovery by Luther. When he was told that he had to be righteous to get into the kingdom of heaven, which is correct, he assumed that that righteousness was due to his own works. And therefore, he had a long time in confessing sins when he met with his pastor, and he tried to do a lot of good works, and he felt he was falling short. And then he discovered that the righteousness he needed to have was not his own righteousness done by works, but what became his righteousness through faith in Jesus Christ, which means he trusted the promises of Jesus. So what does this epiphany baptism tell us? Jesus took upon himself sin, even though he never sinned. Now, that's really important for the people in the pew because God does the opposite to you, you who are a Christian. What do I mean by that? Well, what he did to Jesus, Jesus never sinned, yet God declared him to be a sinner. You and I never do a perfectly righteous good work. Yet God declares us to be righteous. Jesus was declared to be sinner by experiencing the baptism of repentance. We receive the gift of righteousness by having faith put into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, and believing the gospel promises of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is a huge difference between every other religion in the world and Christianity. If you take a look at every other religion, Buddhist or Hindus or or Muslims or whatever, you will discover that they believe you need to be righteous but by your own works and that God is the problem, that he won't consider you righteous until you meet his qualifications. Christianity teaches the opposite. God already is satisfied that you are righteous because of the death of Jesus Christ and you have received that righteousness. Now, I heard recently that someone once said that Christianity isn't the only religion that teaches that, we're, that faith saves. I think it was Buddhism they were talking about that if you have faith in a, a promise, then you are saved also there. But there's still a huge distinction Because a Christian, yes, they have faith, but they have faith in different promises than does a Buddhist or a Hindu or anyone else who thinks that by faith they're saved. They don't have trust in Jesus as their Savior. Now, if they do, then they're a Christian. Even if they think they're still a Buddhist, they really aren't they rejected the Buddhist trust in false promises. So it's important. It's not just that other religions have other gods. They also trust in false promises, if they have any trust at all. But by and large, they trust in their own good works. So, Because the wise men are considered to come on January the 6th and December 25th, you've got 12 days there. And we talk about the 12 days until the epiphany occurs. And there are various items in those 12 days that are important to remember. There is worship directions for each of those days. But it's getting ready to have revealed to us the purpose and mission of that babe in the stable cradle. And that is that he had come in order to become a human being, but not just a human being as we all are, but also as one who is regarded as a sinner by God the Father so that when he died on the cross, he died as the greatest sinner in the world. That's the importance of taking a look at the epiphany, because each Sunday in the epiphany contributes a little bit more to what we understand who Jesus really is. And we're going to continue that study on Monday, Because on Monday, we're going to be talking about another epiphany kind of um, passage that's going to reveal something more who this Jesus of Nazareth was, is, and we look forward to that day when he takes us to heaven. I pray that you hear a good, long gospel sermon this coming Sunday, I'm Tom Baker. You can email me with questions. God bless.